listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Today we're coming to probably one of the most powerful and one of the most amazing stories in the book of Daniel, and one of the most well-known as well, Daniel in the lion's den. And most of us uh, here in this room, I'm sure that when you hear that and you know that we're talking about this, it conjures up certain images in your minds, perhaps from your days of Sunday school or vacation Bible school. Remember the old flannel graph? I was looking to try to find some of that today and do a flannel graph lesson with you today. Couldn't find any. Hard stuff to find. But um, picture Bibles and 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 coloring sheets and all of this, and I'm sure that, that, that each one of us, when we hear this story, we, we think of different um, aspects of this story of Daniel in this uh, den of lions. Now, in chapter 1, we see that Daniel was just a young boy when he was taken captive by the Babylonians into Judah. Uh, he was just a young teenager at that time. Now, today, in chapter 6, we see he's an old man. He was a teenager in chapter 1, and today, uh, I mean, things have just happened in a very quick pace for him, at least here in, in, in the book of Daniel. Um, he's now in his late 80s and possibly some say even his early 90s. And so as we have been working through this book, through the, the five chapters so far, and today as we tackle chapter six, we see that there are important lessons in each chapter for God's people who, like Daniel, are living as exiles and captives far from home. You see, as God's people, this earth This world is not your home. Heaven is our home. Hebrews 13, 14 tells us that this is not a lasting city. But we seek a city that is to come. A city that is eternal. 1 Peter 2 tells us that we are aliens and strangers. Meaning we're foreigners to this land. This world is not our home. This earth is not where our citizenship is. As Paul reminds us then in in Philippians chapter 3. That our citizenship is in heaven. And tragedies like we've just seen this past weekend in Saskatchewan. With this horrific bus and and semi-accident. Just show us how suddenly quick our lives here on this earth could end. Young boys and a team and fans all excited about a big hockey game in Nippewan, Saskatchewan. Have you ever been in Nippewan, Saskatchewan? I've been in Nippewan, Saskatchewan. There's not a lot there except for the temple of worship, which is the hockey arenas, you know, in these cities. I mean, this is the go-to places for people to go to and, and excitement. And all of a sudden, as that team from Humboldt was heading there, all of a sudden, within a flash, within seconds, for 15 of them, their lives came to an end. And oh, folks, how we invest so much time, so much energy in our lives here on earth, on our houses, on our cars that are going to rust, our houses that are going to need painting and renovating, and then we're going to sell it because it's getting old and it's going to one day be condemned, and, and, uh, and our bodies that <laughs> are depreciating as well um, in, in many ways. And yet we, we do so much to try to... How much time are we spending on what really counts for the 70, 80, 90 years the Lord may give you for those boys, the 17 or 19 or 21 years? Time is of the essence. Eternity is important and we need to be thinking along these lines that heaven is not our home or heaven is our home. This earth is not our home. And so much like, like our world, it's like Babylon when Daniel was living there, a world filled with sin and idolatry and so much corruption and, and, and immorality was taking place and, and in that city in just horrific ways. And we're seeing that in our world today. And yet this book is teaching us that back then for Daniel and for his friends, as well as for us here today, it is possible to live for God, to take a stand for God amongst some of the strongest pressures this world will ever be able to throw at you. And we're not just talking about just surviving and holding on till heaven. We're talking about thriving. How do we thrive in the lion's den? How do we thrive in this world that is not our home? How do we live in this Babylon here today? And especially here in Daniel chapter 6 today, we see how Daniel is taking a stand against the moral and ethical corruption that is all around him. It would have been so easy after 60, 70, almost 70 years of captivity to start to bend a little bit and to to let the guard down and, and to become corrupt in the same way that all those around him were. He could have justified it like we justify sins and justify breaking uh, God's word in, in so many different ways. He could have easily have done that and he didn't. 
How do you make a difference in a world in a way that really counts? It's by living a no compromise life. It's by survive, not just surviving, but thriving in the den of lions. And how can we know and experience today in our own lives the power of God? The power of God in you and through you in ways that you could never understand or fathom or imagine. That is possible for each one here in this room here today. And here in chapter 6 of Daniel 3, we're going to see at least three commitments. We're going to kind of, kind of boil it down to three commitments or three decisions that Daniel made that allowed him to not just survive the, the lion's den, but to thrive and to live in a world filled with corruption and idolatry. The first thing, I encourage you to write this down and to, as you're following along in, in your Bibles, I encourage you to write some notes here because these are important um, aspects that I encourage you to study and to look up. There's going to be other scripture verses to look at as well. And the first thing I encourage you to write down, we survive uh, and thrive in the lion's den with a determination to live a life of integrity in all areas. Determination to live a life of integrity in all areas. Look at verse 1 here in Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel. In other words, they're saying, he's squeaky clean. Unless... We find it in connection with the law of his God. And so in, in chapter 5, we see that mighty Babylon had fallen. And Bel Belshazzar the king was dead. And now we see that King Darius is the new king, the king of the Medes and the Persians. And this kingdom consisted of provinces. Nebuchadnezzar ruled with a, a, a solid majority, if you want to say. His word was law. He could, could command things just like this and that. But here there was more representation. There was 120 provinces. And so with that, he desired to set 120 governors or satraps, as we see here, over each province. And then there's going to be three that the 120 were going to report to. And because of Daniel and because of his excellent ways that he was working and serving, even in his late 80s and early 90s, he's continuing on and he's excelling amongst, uh, amongst all these young bucks that are around him. He's excelling this way. And so the king's like, I'm going to make him, I'm going to make him over the whole thing. You see, Daniel could be trusted because he had shown himself in his young years, in his middle age, and now even in his golden years, if you want to call it that, uh, to be a man of integrity, a man of conviction, a man that would keep his word. And this infuriated those around him. How could this Jew, this exile, this captive from Judah, how could this old man be set up against us or set up over top of us in this way. They did a search. They put, today they would have cameras up. They would do all kinds of, they looked to find dirt, some sort of indiscretion, but they could find no corruption, no negligence in anything. And the only thing negative that they had to say about him was his commitment to his God. He was faithful, honest, a man of integrity. Was he perfect? Definitely not because no man, no woman, no person on this earth has been or ever will be perfect except Jesus. And yet even when there was the mess ups, he would have made it right once he figured out so they had nothing bad to say about him. Nothing worse in this world even today, folks, that when a Christian or someone who claims to be a Christian is lazy at their job or cuts corners or, or cheats or shafts other people. I've even heard this, and, and it's unbelievable, but I can kind of understand, I guess, where they're coming from, where some Christian business people will refuse to do business with other Christians and, and rather deal with non-Christians because at least if things go south, you could sue them. 
Amazing, isn't it? Because in, in God's word, believers aren't supposed to sue other believers. So, so some Christian business folks have said, hey, at least then I can sue them if things go south if they're not believers. And uh, that's maybe cutting around uh, the whole thing a little bit. But, but, but that can be a reality. We are to work hard. We're to work hard. We're to work with a full shovel in everything that we're doing. People of integrity. There's a man in our church who told me how a number of years ago, he was doing some contract business for a, a family who, who had their own uh, home-based home business, and, and at the end uh, of his work for them, he was never paid. The husband ended up um, in this situation who had this home business or, or, or this, this business that, that they operated out of their home. He ended up running the company into the ground, leaving and divorcing his wife and leaving her in a financial mess. This was probably 10 years ago that this happened, and, and somewhere I believe it's been in about the last year or so, this woman has faithfully cleaned houses and has done whatever she could to make things right, and he gets a letter in the mail with a check in it and says, sorry for what happened, here's the money plus interest, and if you need any more, I will, I will send it your way. This person who wanted to live with integrity and to make sure that, that even though there was default in those areas, that she was taking responsibility in that way. What a person of integrity. What a person who is ready and re ready to do whatever it takes. Kent Hughes, a, a, a pastor and, and an author, wrote this. He said, habitual honesty, integrity must be the goal in all of our days. We must discipline ourselves not to succumb to the so-called small things, the occasional phone theft or time stealing, and I think this was written before, social media uh, cruising or uh, spending time on that, or misappropriating of office supplies or indulging ourselves in the largesse of expense accounts or estimating mileage in our favor or the twisting of truth ever so slightly. We must never be careless about the truth. This is one of the things that, that should be a hallmark, a growing hallmark in the lives of each one of us, that, that we desire to be people of truth, of integrity in all that we do, in working hard, giving that full shovel in all that we do. Daniel's co-workers look for ways to expose him and discredit him, and they could find nothing. I wonder if we were to be tracked for a week. If we somehow had people that were, you know, big brother, you know, spying in on us, in the things that we've said or have done publicly or in private, the things that have appeared on our screens, the conversations that we've had, would it be said of us that there would be no wrong, that it would be integrity, it would be truth that we are committed to, that we are pursuing holiness in all of these different areas? Would it be said of us that there's a humility that when we do mess up and we do make those mistakes and, and that, that we have the humility to repent, to ask for forgiveness, to make it right? Would that be said of us? Daniel not only survived in Babylon as a cap captive, as an exile in this foreign land, he thrived. And even as he was approaching the lion's den, we see that he continued to be this man of integrity. Oh, that we would commit in our lives for the same kind of lifestyle, to determine to live a life of integrity in all areas. Years ago, before I was, uh, before all this online shopping stuff has, uh, that has taken over, I would get up at an unearthly hour on Boxing Day while we were living in Alberta to drive about 30 minutes to a future shop to line up at like 4.30 in the morning and oftentimes it would be like, you know, minus 25, minus 30 with the wind chill and line up outside the store for Boxing Day specials and the stores would open at 6 a.m. and so we're there huddled up and then when they open the doors and it's like, charge, and everyone's going in and grabbing all this stuff and, and, and in all my excitement, I bought a number of items and, and paid for them and I'm driving home and, and, and I get home and I thought, you know what? Something on that bill didn't quite seem right. It seemed a lot less than what I thought in my mind. And, and, and so I, I did a little research and I bought a number of items and, and some for other people. People would give me their orders. And sometimes I had uh, wimps for friends and other times I had uh, good buddies who would come with me. Others just gave me their order and they would stay in bed and stay nice and warm. And, and so I brought these items home and paid for it and something didn't seem right. And, and something I had purchased, I had purchased, you know what this is? Kids? Yeah, MP3 player. You know how many songs this baby could hold? I mean, this was one gigabyte of, uh, of space on it. I could get probably at least 40 songs on it. 
if they weren't long songs. You know, I mean, this was a big step up from my uh, 318 megabyte uh, one that I had. I mean, this little Scandisk baby, I mean, this was going to be, and guess what? It's free. They didn't charge me for it. They didn't charge me on my bill. And I'm thinking, woohoo! I got a free MP3 player, you know, start downloading the music. And what happened? I needed to take it back. We were heading back into the city later on that day. I told Charlotte about it. And I mean, it was just even with her. And, you know, sometimes in, in a moment of weakness, can you just start comp? You know, while it was their mistake, they're a big company. Like, they're not going to miss it. And I mean, if, if their employees were that out of it and missed it, you know, like Merry Christmas, Melden. You know, and I mean, we can start justifying it. And I'm thankful for a wife who also spoke and says, well, you know what you need to do. I'm just hoping she just might say, keep it. You know, just like, no, you got to go back, you know. And, 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 and so we marched back there and the lineups were still crazy. And, and I said, hey, I said, I need to pay for this. Yeah. And, uh, and the employee, I mean, he just thought I was probably, I mean, into the Christmas cheer already or is still on Boxing Day. He's like, are you crazy? You had this and why are you paying for it, you know. And, and I told him, I said, I, I, I got to do it. I want to be a person of integrity. I don't want to, you know, have this you know, in, uh, lack integrity in this area. As I, as I told this story over the years to various people and, and that, I'm amazed at the comments that will sometimes come my way, and maybe some of you are even thinking that. And this was the comment. Well, I guess as a pastor, you should do that. <laughs> yeah, I guess, it, I, I guess you're right. But the standard isn't any different for me than it is for you as a believer in Christ. It's the same standard. And we desire to be honest in all of our ways. Nothing sucks the power of God out of our lives faster than when we're dealing with stuff like this and not dealing with it biblically and properly. It's about living with integrity in all areas of our lives. Oh, folks, may we be like the psalmist. Write this down. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. But Psalm 101, verse 3. Psalm 101, verse 3. May this be our prayer at the beginning of the day, throughout the day. Oh, will I not look, may I not look with approval on anything that is vile. I like what one version says. It says, no unclean thing may not look upon anything that is unclean. And may I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. That throughout the day, we would not turn our eyes or turn our hearts towards anything that is unclean, that is unholy, that is dishonest. So, to live a thriving life in the lion's den means to live a life of integrity in all areas. But one thing you've got to be ready for is expect opposition. It's not going to come easy. There's going to be a price to pay. And, and sometimes that price can be rather stiff. Look at in verse 6. It goes on. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All high officials of the kingdom, that's a lie. Notice the way they're lying here because not all, Daniel would have never signed off on this. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish this injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Just kind of giving him the little, you know, um, what do you call it at the bottom? You know, sort of the little fine print. There we go, the fine print at the bottom. You know, establish this law. And according to the law of the Medes and Persians, once the law was established, it could not be changed. So, so king, why don't you do this? You see, sometimes we can wrongly believe that being a Christian should mean that we will have less hassles and less hardships and less trouble in our lives. That's simply not true. Quit, quit believing that. We're, it just means we're going to have different hardships and troubles and trials in our lives. Opposition will come and it will come in various forms. Expect it. Be prepared for it. 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's coming. It's going to happen. 
These preachers who promise you nothing but gold and silver and a wonderful life and everything's going to go wonderful for you, it's not true because this is what God's word says. If you want to live a true, godly, God-centered life in Christ Jesus, you will face persecution. You will face opposition. And so for, for Daniel, his persecution, his opposition, opposition came from co-workers. They go to the king and they play to his pride. Oh, king, wouldn't it be amazing, king? That for 30 days, everyone prayed to you. And see, it was, there was a belief in these days that, that kings were part God or were God and, and had this deity aspect to them. And so they were just playing to his pride and, 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 you know, newly established kingdom. Here, O king, may everyone just pray to you and you will be like a God. Oh, and if anyone doesn't, we will take care of them. We will send them to the lion's den. We're serious about this king. And he does it. Be careful about making decisions quickly. Don't make decisions in haste because you may come, oftentimes you will come to regret it. And so they offered him the idea in his head and played to his pride and to his ego of being king or being God, not just king, but God in the whole nation across the Medes and the Persian lands. For us, the opposition will come in various forms. For, for Daniel, it was his co-workers. And yet we see his honesty, his integrity it was a problem for them. I, I like one, one statement I read this past week that rats and cockroaches like the dark. And as soon as the light comes in, they scatter or they don't like it. And, and so in the same way, Daniel is, is, is shining this light of integrity, of truthfulness, a light for God in this dark nation. And, and the cockroaches and the rats aren't going to like it very much. And they don't. And so for some of us, some of you folks, it's going to be workplace opposition which may mean that you may get overlooked for certain promotions because you won't do something that is dishonest and, and you won't fudge the, the documents in the way that it should. And, and, and so you may get overlooked. It, it, it could be, you know, areas where you'll be isolated in the job place that you work because of integrity and because of your relationship with the Lord. Today in Canada, we're seeing mounting government op op opposition towards Christians. And I believe it's not going to end. It's not going to stop anytime soon. I think it's going to keep coming and it's going to keep coming. But it will also come in other ways as well. There's satanic opposition or oppression that comes. The devil loves to put, put thoughts into our heads, reminding us of our past, trying to condemn us and accuse us. You know what? Sometimes I think it's just maybe a good idea to remind the devil of his future. When he reminds us of, his past, of our past and tries to bring condemnation and guilt upon us for things that are already under the blood of Christ. Remember, folks, our God does not condemn. He, he will convict us of sin, but he does not condemn because the condemnation all went on Jesus Christ. And when we trust in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. It has been taken from us. But the satanic opposition will be something we face. And, and that's why 1 Peter 5, even in, in light of the lion's den, it's so fitting here, this passage, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. What you are facing, so often that the devil loves to isolate us, and I've seen this e even in the past few weeks with, with folks from our church, where, where the devil loves to isolate us, to take us out of community and out of relationship with others, and, and, and think we're not worthy, or isolate us in our mind and our thinking, thinking that we've got, you know, like all of this problem, and, and I'm, you know, just, just struggling in my mind with, with, with thoughts and with things from the past, or, or sins, or, you know, and just crazy thoughts, and we just think, oh, this is, you know, I, I'm just a mess up, I'm, I'm a failure, I'm a loser when it comes to this. Folks, we all stumble in many ways and the enemy is coming in and, and, and he loves to feed us with lies. And we need to resist him and stand firm in the faith, stand firm in the word of God. We need the brotherhood to realize that other brothers and sisters are, are, are walking in the same thing and, and come out of that isolation. And, and we need community and authentic community walking with and, and for one another. So expect opposition. It's going to happen. Um, some of the opposition will come from family. Guilt you will experience because of, uh, of, of things that you're doing and, and, and they're making you feel guilty about it. And, and it can at times come from other Christians, carnal or worldly Christians 
who might say, you're so serious about following the Lord. Like, take it easy. Like, you're so committed. Why are you so committed to, you know, church and, and, and to the word of God and, and to being honest? Like, you're such a good little, you know, you know goody two-shoes sort of thing. Or, or else then when they notice that you start messing up, they start nitpicking all of these little things in your life. And we're going to face opposition in these kind of ways. And it's because they're seeing that your, their commitment to Christ is leading you to live out the biblical convictions that you are reading and being challenged on. And, and in reality, they're jealous. They're guilty. And so oftentimes, what do people do when they're jealous and they're guilty? They attack. That's what was happening here for Daniel. These guys were jealous. They saw the way that he lived a life of integrity. And you can guarantee that they were more than likely not living a life of integrity. So they were jealous. And they were going to just on the attack mode. So expect opposition. But here's something else we can face. And this is the good news. Yes, there's opposition. And yes, it is possible to live a life of integrity in all areas. And, and, and the opposition is real. But here is the other thing. And put a big exclamation mark on this. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not in this alone. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to us. Look at verse 3. Underline this in your Bibles. Then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. That's also mentioned of him in chapter 5. This is a reoccurring theme in his life. What an excellent spirit in him. That's a power of the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and so, so oftentimes we can think of a guy, like, oh, Daniel, yes, he was powered by the Holy Spirit. He was a prophet of God. And, and you know, even with that, he was a major prophet. You know, no wonder he was able to stand firm and he was be able to, you know, withstand, uh, you know, even survive the lion's den and everything that has happened because he was this specially called person, you know, man of God and, and, and the prophet of God uh, for that matter. Folks, if you are a Christian today, you must know the same excellent spirit that was in Daniel is in you. The Holy Spirit of God to empower and enable you to live a life that on your own power and strength you can never live. That you could live a life like Daniel because he was powered by the Holy Spirit. We must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But here's the reality that we, can, we must be aware of. Our lives... And our actions and our words are either quenching the Spirit's power or they're fueling the Spirit's power. Our sin, areas of compromise, dishonesty, disobeying God's word quenches the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But truth living and truth telling, living with integrity in humility Christ-likeness fuels the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And how daily we must be asking for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I remember years ago hearing this sermon illustration, and pastors tell it all the time, that uh, about this pastor who continued to pray daily and daily for the power, for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And someone said, you know, like, why do you keep praying for that every day? Like, you know, isn't this getting old that you keep praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And this pastor just responded, I need to keep praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I leak. You know, and, and, and we all leak, you know, through, through, we get tired, we get worn out, our, our, our selfish, sinful nature, you know, goes to war and, and we say things and do things that we regret and it quenches and, it, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit is, is, is being drained out of us. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're turning our eyes on Jesus, when we're relying on him and living in the power of the Holy Spirit, there is power to live a life of integrity in all areas of our lives. And so daily we must ask for the Holy Spirit power to fill us and to use us. This life of integrity is possible, but here's something else that we see in the lion's den, in how to thrive in a lion's den, a commitment to a life of prayer. Look at here in verse 10. When Daniel knew the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. They, then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God 
or man within 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, the thing stands fast. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked, you better believe it, I sign that. And then they answered and said before the king, Daniel is the one of the exiles from Judah. He pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Basically, Daniel, they're coming to the king, they're saying, Daniel, the Jew, he prays, therefore, he must die. And I love Daniel here. I love what we end up seeing in his life. We see that there's just really no panic. He just goes home and he does what he always does. He prays. He's established a pattern of faithfulness in his life that when the heat got turned on, when the heat gets turned on, he was ready. He was ready and prepared. His actions in the quiet led to strength in the storm. What had been building in his life for years, a regular pattern in his life, led to him having great strength when the storm winds started to blow. John Piper calls this daring, defiant, disciplined prayer. When the decree was given and had been signed by the king, Daniel heard about it. He didn't take a month off. He didn't back into some corner in his house. He, he continued to do what he normally did, was go towards the window and pray towards Jerusalem. And there was a biblical reason why he did this. He went home and he prayed as he always did, and he prepared to die. He knew what was coming, but that didn't change Nothing would affect his relationship with the Lord and his desire to meet with the Lord daily. I wonder for us here today in this room that if a law was passed in our nation similar to this, would there be enough evidence to convict us to the lion's den? Would our lives and the disciplines that we have forged, what are we committed to? How many days would it take for there to be evidence against us that would convict us to the lion's den. Could you go 30 days? Daniel violated it on the first day, probably within the first few hours. Because what had developed in his life was not just a commitment to prayer, but there's a consistency to prayer. And this is so important that we live a life of consistency. He got down on his knees, as it says here, three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. This wasn't some new statement. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be defiant and I'm going to, you know, plop myself down here and I'm going to fold my hands and I'm going to pray extra loud. You know, he, he wasn't rebelling. He was just doing what he had been doing all along. There's this consistency. I wonder in our own lives, is there a pattern of consistent prayer in our own lives? You see, Daniel wasn't a foxhole or emergency room or a lion's den believer. He wasn't a person who prayed when times got tough. It was a consistent pattern in his life. This is why we talk in the 5G life of, har of harvest. What is essential every day is that God time, that time in the word, that time talking to God in prayer. And if you say, I struggle in that area, welcome to the club. And we all need to grow and push one another in these areas. We have an excellent little booklet that's available I'm, uh, at the church office. I'm not sure if it's available today. Just, just to kickstart your God time daily. It's, it's called God time and, and just some principles to help you grow in your relationship with, with the Lord and in your prayer life. And, and there's so many helps and opportunities to be able to grow. There's so many resources available to be growing for and with one another. Maybe even in your small groups and group life this next week, hold one another accountability to a growing prayer life. This is so important to live life of thriving in the lion's den. And you see, so oftentimes when our schedules get busy and intensifies, the very first thing to go is our time with the Lord. And usually the second thing that ends up going is our service for the Lord when we get busy. Why is it that these things, and, and when our finances get tight, what's the first thing to go? Our giving to the Lord. We've got it so wrong and so mixed up. God is the giver and the supplier and the one who can meet all of our needs. And, 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 and yet we run from that. It's just so backwards in our thinking and yet we do it so easily. 
We don't dare give up our coffee time. We don't dare give up our workout time or our food time or our food prep time or our TV time or our social media time. But when things get busy, we give up the most important. Oh, may we establish a uh, lifestyle of consistency in the area of prayer. David Platt wrote this. He said, Christian character is not forged in the moment of adversity. It is revealed in the moment of adversity. It's not forged in the moment. But what's been growing and building in your life will come out when adversity hits. What's there? And this is why this preparation in the, in the private of our life enables us to stand strong in the public. Here's another thing we see how he prayed. He prayed with humility and thanksgiving. He got down on his knees and he humbled himself as a sign of humility before God. Do our prayers come with any sort of sense of humility towards God? Do you ever get down on your knees before God in prayer? It, it's, it, it's a wonderful way to admit to God just you know, a humble heart. You don't have to do it all the time. Establish what is, is good in your life, but, but humbling ourselves in, in our words, in our attitudes, in our actions as we pray. May we pray with a humble heart, but also a thankful heart. You know, what would our prayers likely con consist of if all of a sudden you found out that, you know, the, you go home this afternoon and there's some police that, that, that are there and some military officials and, and they say, you know what, you're condemned to die. What, what would your reaction be in, in, in that moment? Hysteria? Oh no, God, where are you? Not the lions, you know, and, and you know, I mean, and, and just start to, to go crazy in this way. And, and yet, what do we see with Daniel? Just this consistency in verse 10. It says, and he gave thanks before his God. He's on his knees giving thanks before his God, as he had done previously. He prayed with thanksgiving. What does Paul say in Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, a big reason why there's an absence of peace in our lives is associated because there's an absence of thanksgiving. We're not thankful. Not thankful to God. Our society is a very thankless society. And so we've come to consume and to expect so much from God, even from within one another, even within the life of the church. And, 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 and instead of being thankful and grateful, we're complainers. And, 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 and we're just coming to God with a list of, hey, God, I need you to do this. I need you to come through for, for me in this way. And, and yet thanksgiving is, is vital as we see here. In our prayers, how much time do we spend thanking God with adoration and gratefulness and just love being able to take time this morning and, and, and doing that in our worship time of just, just extolling and exalting the name through the word and through prayer, through worship this morning in, is, is um, thanksgiving and adoration and gratefulness is so important. So oftentimes our prayers are God help, God show up, but with a loss of thanksgiving, we often lose sight of the big picture. When we're thankful people and we remind ourselves and we, we are thanking God for all his blessing, it gives us a big picture supply of what God is actually doing. And the third and the last thing we see here about surviving and not just surviving, but thriving in the lion's den is trusting that God's way is best. Trusting that God's way is best. In verse 14, it says, Then the king, when he heard these things, was much distressed and set in his mind to deliver Daniel. He was just like, oh, what did I do? What was I thinking? And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. He probably got all his lawyers together and to try to find a way around this law. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that, ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Here the king has been duped. He's been tricked. And there's nothing he can do. You see, again, like according to Medo-Persian law, once the king had established a law, it, you weren't allowed to revoke it. And part of the reason was that was to change a law would be to admit fault or that you messed up. And if they're part deity or if they're part God or fully God... There should be no 
sin or fault in them. And so he wasn't allowed to retract his law. I can't help but to think what was going through Daniel's mind when he realized what this would mean. I'm sure he was grateful for the king and all of his ways and what he was wanting to, to try to get him out of it. And, and yet we know that Daniel is a man of prayer. But something else we know about Daniel through his life and we'll continue to see throughout this book is that he was a man of the word of God. He would have been so familiar with the passages that Jeremiah the prophet had written earlier talking about this captivity that would come. Especially in Jeremiah chapter 25 and in chapter 9. He warned about the captivity that if the people continued in their sin, continued in their ways, that they would be taken captive and, and that Israel would be, and the temple would be destroyed and these warnings came. But Daniel would have also been aware of that he that Jeremiah spoke that this would only be for 70 years. And after 70 years, God would allow the, the exiles to go back. And Daniel was keeping track of time. He knew that year 70 was coming. This was happening. The time is almost up. And, 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 and I'm sure there's a part of him. He was all excited about this. You know, hey, I'm going to be able to go back home. I'm going to be able to lead a group of people home. And, and, and from all over, we can establish the worship of God in Jerusalem once again. And, and, and no doubt he was excited about this opportunity. And now time is up and, and, and the 70 years are coming to an end. And now he's going to be giant cat food. He's not going to be part of the... What he was hoping and praying and striving for. It's not going to happen now. You see, he also would have been familiar with 2 Chronicles chapter 6 when Solomon wrote there that he says, and even if Israel, this is at the dedication of the temple, he says, and even if Israel turns away from God and is carried off into captivity, if people, if a remnant will take and turn themselves towards Jerusalem and pray towards the temple representing God and his power and repent of their sins and turn, God will restore. He, he would have been familiar. That's why he was praying towards Jerusalem. Before this open window, he was praying that the temple worship would be restored. That is, the nation of Israel would be restored. And now it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He's been faithful. He's been praying. He's been waiting. Fulfillment of the prophecy. It's coming. Oh, maybe I should have taken a 30-day break. Maybe I should have just backed away from the window. Maybe I should have taken... I mean, it's not going to be like I'm going to start worshiping idols in those 30 days or anything like that. God would understand. No, he, he wouldn't compromise. He knew that to be cut off from his relationship with God would be like death to him. He didn't want that. So he didn't compromise and there was nothing that he could do. And Daniel came to rest... In the very fact, as, he, as he's being lowered into the, into the lion's den, that God is large and God's in charge. And he went quietly, without a fight, without a protest, without trying to petition and plead with the king. You see, Daniel came to rest in the sovereignty of God, knowing that God was in charge and that God is good. And what you're facing even right now in your life, have you come to rest in the sovereignty of God that he is large, he's in charge, he is good, he is faithful? You see, God will often choose to save us through the trial rather from the trial. And so oftentimes we fight and resist the trials of life. But oftentimes God's saving power and strength comes as we go through it and he desires to deliver us not from the trial but through the trial. He did that for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And if God puts you in the lion's den, as you keep your eyes fixed on him, as you live out what we've been talking here today, there will be deliverance one way or the other. This is what Daniel believed and the deliverance will be for us as well. Look at verse 16. It says, then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his place and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought, before him, brought to him and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lion's den? Now totally, if I was Daniel, I would have totally paused here. 
for a really good while. And then just as the king maybe starts to walk away or, or, you know, then Daniel said, Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I've done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no harm of any kind was found on him because he had trusted in his God. There was a trust, a faith that God would see him through, that God was large and in charge. Verse 24, and the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. See, this was common in Persian law, that you just don't kill the enemy, you wipe out the entire family. Because you don't want those sons to grow up and come after you. And so Medo-Persian law meant that you would wipe out the family. It seems rather brutal. One of the beautiful things we see is so different in God's law as we see through the word of God is that when there was a bad king and they were destroyed, most times their families were saved. They weren't destroyed in the same way that the evil kings were because God gave the sons an opportunity to rise above I heard a statement years ago and it has stuck with me and I don't think I'll ever forget it. And it's like water cannot rise above its source. But children sometimes can. Water cannot rise above its source but children, by the grace of God, sometimes can. That we don't have to be stuck. We don't have to live or relive our past or the sins of the past or things that have been done to us but we can rise above that in the power of the Holy Spirit through God helping us and guiding us every step of the way as we keep our focus, as we trust that his way is best. And what ended up happening to these guys who cons- conspired against Daniel, basically Proverbs 25 was being lived out. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. Folks, you've got to understand in God's timing is always right. And God can turn the schemes of the wicked back on themselves. God will have the final say. Remember, he says in his word, vengeance is mine. Don't repay evil for evil. Vengeance is mine. God is is faithful. God does deliver. God will deal with those fairly and justly who have wronged you, who have hurt you, who have mistreated you. And so here we see that God... The score is settled with these individuals. Verse 25, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples and and nation and languages that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my loyal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. What a statement. He delivers and rescues He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, we see, and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So we see God rescued him from the lion's den and Daniel continued to prosper. And just think about this. Daniel's been in captivity for 70 years. When you think of what happened in those 70 years, we don't know an awful lot, but we don't know of there being a lot of fruit. It didn't seem like there was no mass conversion of people towards God. We have uh, King Nebuchadnezzar making a statement before God, but nothing happened with his family. It didn't continue on. Now we hear this powerful statement that the king makes, but, but throughout his years, Daniel didn't see a lot of fruit, yet he was faithful. He didn't see a big turning to God like, like Jonah saw when he preached in Nineveh and national repentance didn't happen for Daniel. Yet because of his faithfulness as a young boy, Through his middle years and even in his golden years, his faithfulness and his commitment, King Darius ends up making this decree about God and about his people, resulting in the protection and freedom and the worship of the Jewish people. And soon, we're going to see the return of God's people back to Jerusalem. 
Because of his faithfulness at the end, we see the 70 years that God used him as a faithful example. Didn't see a ton of fruit. But in the end, we see the people returning and worship once again being restored in Jerusalem. And this happens because of the faithfulness of a man who chose to live with integrity. You know, you and I have no idea how many lives are at stake around us as the result of our integrity, our faithfulness, and literally how many lives are also at stake because of our compromising and because of our lack of integrity. People are watching. Heaven is watching. How about in the prayers that you are praying? You've been praying for salvation. You've been praying for a breakthrough. You've been praying for a healing, a restoration. And it seems there's no change, no answers, no movement. Keep, keep going. Don't give up. How about in the areas that you are serving? You're serving the Lord faithfully. And you're tired and you're worn out. And you just think, oh man, I don't know if I can keep going in this. So grateful for those who serve and harvest kids, who serve and set up and welcome and teaching and planning and leading and caring for hurting people and, and so much that ends up happening in the life of a church like this. And sometimes you can go along and you don't see a lot of fruit. You wonder, okay, is it even worth it? Why am I doing this? And, and, and sometimes it, we can just end in frustration and wonder what difference does it make putting signs out? What difference does it make setting up? What difference does it make caring for kids and changing a diaper? We see that in the long haul, God is faithful. And we don't know what is coming in store, but it's important we stay faithful in all of these different areas. God's word reminds us that we will reap a harvest. If we don't give up, don't give up. In your prayers, in your faithful service, in your sacrifice to the Lord, in living a life of integrity, it just seems you're desiring to live a life for God, and it just seems persecution and frustration and rejection. Keep on going. Don't stop. Trust him in humility. Bow before him in thanksgiving for all that he's done, and praying forward in thanksgiving for what God is yet to do. Let's pray together. And Father, even now, we come to you and we love this example in Daniel. And God, would we look at our own lives and see that a life of Daniel is possible in us because of the Holy Spirit that is resident in the lives of people who've given their hearts to you. God, I pray for those who have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. They do not know you in a personal way. They've never turned their heart over to you. May today be a day that they would do that. They would talk to myself or someone who they know is a believer in Christ. And for the rest of us, Lord, I pray we would examine our lives. We would make right, repent, make restitution where necessary in areas that come to mind that areas of compromise, areas, things that we have done and, and there's no greater freedom and joy than being right and free with you and with others around us. And so God, may we live in the freedom of, of this kind of newness of life that is offered to you as we pursue you in these areas. Oh God, I pray that in our lives, in this church, in our families, in our work, and in all areas, that we would be people who would not compromise. And so we thank you and praise you, God, as we worship you, as we keep our eyes fixed on you, that you are the God who restores. You are the God that heals. You are the God that saves the lost. You are the God that clears our name. You are the God who allows us to stand strong in the midst of trials and difficulties. May we run to you. May we turn to you. May we thrive in this season of our lives instead of just barely holding on and surviving, knowing that your plan is good and that you are a loving Heavenly Father. We pray this in your name, Jesus.